Dan Walshman here. Welcome to a special edition of the Edgy Conversations podcast. As you know, our regular episodes are 15 minute quick, hits you in the gut, a little bit of inspiration, a little bit of motivation, a little bit of course correction, insights, looking at the life differently in a way that helps you get closer to where you want to be. I don't do long interviews. Why? I don't know. I listen to podcasts and a lot of long, long, long interviews just suck. They really do. I'm not trying to be mean. You just, you listen to them and someone rambles on. Someone tells you how amazing they are. And even if they've been successful and have a great backstory, they're not really good at sharing the vulnerable moments. But I have an exception. I've got an amazing once in a lifetime interview that I did with Jim Fortin. He's an amazing inspiration. His insights on why you do what you do, why people buy. He runs something called the Sales Psychology Academy. And if you are running a sales team or sales group and looking for someone to inspire you or give you the inside track on success, this is the guy to do it. A new friend of the empire here, a new friend of mine, I'm excited to share these next few minutes with you. If you've never heard of Jim Fortin, you're going to walk away from this next 60 minutes blown away, write his name down, go to Sales Psychology Academy because I'm going to tell you something you will look at life completely differently. All right, time for me to shut up. Listen to this podcast. Welcome, Jim. Hey, Jim. Welcome to the Edgy Conversations podcast. Hey, glad to be here. It's been it's been a little bit of time since uh, since we could arrange this, of course, since uh, meeting up in California. I'm glad we could we could grab a few minutes and talk about uh, stories and identity. And I've already teased the audience here that I was going to set up this mystery interview with uh a celebrity guest. And so I'm just excited that you can, in better words than I could share with them, talk a little bit about uh, your high performance selling. First, I want to know who the celebrity guest is. <laughs> it's you. It's you. We forgot to tell you, but it's you. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Got it. Got it. So, um, you're, you know, I've, I've spent my whole life selling something, selling stuff uh, for other people and now for myself and now kind of as a slight pivot, selling, uh, you know, helping other people get inside their own heads and sell better. But okay. I have not done it like you do. I mean, what your whole science behind it, it's fascinating, intriguing. Start at the beginning and, and just like uh, take us there. Okay, so let's start first. People that follow you pretty much are entrepreneurs and their business depends on whether or not they sell, right? They don't sell, Absolutely. they starve, right? What I hear all the time, Dan, is people saying things like, I don't want to be a cheesy salesperson. Uh, I'm afraid to sell. I don't want to bother people and all that kind of good stuff. And what people really don't get is that everything is about sales. I mean, you and I are talking right now. I'm on my MacBook Pro that cost me 3000 bucks. You're on yours or, or that cost you thousands. We're using microphones. People are listening. People are in their cars. People are wearing clothes, I would think, right now. Everything is hopefully. bought and sold. Yeah, hopefully. So everything is bought and sold. What people don't really get is that most people have been trained to sell backwards. Now, what I mean by that is research has demonstrated back in 2008, the Max Planck Institute in Leipzig, Germany. What they discovered is up to 95% of all of our decisions, and that means buying decisions, up to 95% of all of our decisions are made in the brain, even while we think that we're analytically thinking about and making a decision, our brain has already made the decision for us. So the, the takeaway there is people actually buy brain-based and subconsciously. 
And until you know how to persuade and how and and, and influence subconsciously, you're going to flat out keep losing sales. So that's so the foundation. Let me, let me let me roll back for that second because yep. you're saying something pretty bold. And for those in the audience, I mean, all of you know, listening, all of you uh, in the audience know that you, you you're you're selling something. All of you. That's the number mm-hmm. one question. How do I generate money? So what you're saying is that according to the science people automatically have their mind made up about whether they're going to buy from you or not before they actually even like make the dis- shake your hand or sign the contract or know what's going on it's in the back of their it, it's in the back of their brain already to a large degree yes now let me take that two different directions one is let's say for example that um, you're talking to a selling professional and they're a smoker. And let's say you're already predisposed not to like smokers. So the second you smell smoke on them, you're already actually going to be polarized and not want to work with that person. And it's all happening subconsciously. And when I say subconsciously, I mean subconsciously. People use the word subconscious and other than conscious and unconsciously interchangeable. So however, if I've got some negative trigger about something and that person walks up to me in the sales process and they fire that trigger, I'm already polarized not wanting to work with that person. So is that a, why is that why sometimes someone will say like uh, smile over the phone people can feel it or you know smile it even if they can't see you is is that is that one of those uh, you know subconscious things? Partly as a matter of fact we uh, and I tell selling professionals this all the time and entrepreneurs is that people literally research demonstrates that people actually decide whether or not they like you in the first 45 seconds of meeting you. And a large portion of that when you meet in person is color, color psychology. So when I speak, like when I was at James Wedmore's, I always wear blue because when given a choice on a color wheel, 80% of people like and they pick the color medium blue over every other color. So what I'm doing is I'm predisposing them to actually like me through color alone. I love it. I'm I'm wearing a blue shirt right now. Blue checks. You know what's funny? My wife gets on me all the time because you know what I wear? I wear blue and pink for some reason. But I, 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 it's like blue and pink. And she's like, dude, it's winter. Put a black shirt, <laughs> put a brown shirt on. I'm like, I love it. Well, they're soothing. Blue is trust. And that's why if you look at sites like, for example, Facebook, what is their predominant color? Color psychology. Their predominant accent color is blue, right? So yes, we um when when people actually when and I talk I work with um, a lot of consultative fields like real estate and insurance and things like that. When you're communicating with somebody, they're actually reading you, and I use the word reading um, in quotes. They're reading you unconsciously. They're reading your voice tone, your inflection, your pace, your speed. They're reading things about you, not even knowing that they're reading things about you unconsciously, and they are actually making decisions about you, not even knowing they're making a decision. So that's why, for example, all of you listening now that you're in sales, you can have the best price, the best service, the best everything, and you're in your presentation and you're thinking, you know what, I just nailed it. I know I'm going to close this sale, and they don't buy. Why? Because something at an unconscious level has told them not to buy from you. And that's part of, we. by the way, that's part of the process we cannot control. Let's say, for example, I heard you mention your wife. Let's say, for example, that um, you dated a woman years ago or your wife and she wore a particular perfume and she always wore that perfume. And then you got divorced and it was a nasty divorce. And then even years later, when you smell that perfume, you think about her. Well, if you're in a sales presentation and a woman is trying to sell you and she's wearing that very same perfume, that's going to cue up all those old memories, even unconsciously, about the bitterness with your ex-wife. And it creates a state, which is not a positive state. So there are some things we can't control. But when it comes to even buying, we look at things and we think that people buy features and benefits and analysis and analytics. They don't. You've heard people say before in sales that people buy emotions, right? They buy through their emotions, right? Okay. Absolutely, yeah. Well, 
everything that we buy is already based upon, for example, you're wearing blue. You didn't look in your closet this morning and say, would I wear blue today? That decision had already been made at some point in the past. So we're operating right now in this moment, everybody listening, and you're operating on unconscious decisions that you made years ago. So if somebody puts something right down in front of you in the sales process or product or service or whatever, and if you already made a decision about it at some point in the past, you won't buy not even knowing why you won't buy. Is this why we have, you know, of course, the, 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 you know, the easy uh, target in the room is, is car salesmen, uh, letters from attorneys, uh, letters from, I guess, you know, the call from the IRS. You know, you, you look, you go to your business inbox or, you know, business mailbox and you, you, you see a, a, a letter and it says, you know, IRS, immediately your heart like skips to be. <laughs> you didn't even do anything wrong. You're like, oh, no, you triggers. know, triggers. Yeah, those are triggers and we have them and we have thousands, if not millions of triggers from our past experiences. And it can be the way people look, the way they smell, the way they walk, the way they talk, things that they do, clothes that they wear. And it can also be positive. Let's say, for example, that you're in a sales presentation and a woman's wearing a perfume that reminds you of somebody that you really liked. Well, then now you're are, are automatically predisposed to like her because in the past you liked the person that you associated to that scent. So it can work both ways for sure. Yeah, so that's that's, part that's of fast, utterly fascinating. This whole science is fascinating to me because one of the things that I realized at an early age, eighteen or nineteen, when I started studying, you know, neuro NLP, neurolinguistic mm-hmm. programming, and 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 of course Sandler way back in the day, was uh, I said, and and again, my 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 reasoning was very primitive, but I would say most of sales is, uh, you know, I think of the analogy of someone sitting in a chair. And I say, move your arm. And I'm standing in front of you saying, move your arm, move your arm, move your arm. And I'm doing all these closing tactics and all these techniques. And, and I'm doing these things to get you to move your arm. And instead, my strategy was, and again, it was highly unscientific and, and, and sometimes uh, explosively negative. I would say my job is to get behind you and poke you with a pen, you know, because 99% of the time when I poke you in the back of the arm, you're going to move your arm, you know, tenths of a second before your brain even realizes you're moving your mm-hmm. arm, you're going to move it because you want to avoid the pain. So my yeah. job is not to dazzle you but like a little monkey dancing around in front and saying, move, move, move. My job is to poke you with the pen and then deal with the, deal with the outcome. Let me take that a different direction. My job teaching neurolinguistics and, and behavioral research and brain-based selling and unconscious selling is to actually lead you where I want you to go. So everyone listening right now, if you listen to my voice tone, it's picked up from the beginning of the call. Listen, and this is basic neurolinguistics, NLP. If you listen to Dan, he speaks at a voice pace that I'm talking about right now, which tells me Dan is predominantly visual. When you think, you think predominantly in pictures. So how am I going to sell to you if I know you're predominantly visual? You better tell me a great story and show me some pictures, right? Color. I need lots of color. (laughs) Exactly. So everyone listening now, let me show you how important this is, even though most people and most of you listening aren't even aware of this. So let's say, for example, Dan, that I wanted to sell you something and I'm moving at a, a, a slower voice pace like this and I'm showing you nothing and it's something that you think you might want, but I show you nothing and I just keep talking and talking. What kind of emotional state does that put you in? Oh, frustrated. Yeah. I'm frustrated and bored. Yeah. Everyone listen to what he just said. I, I would have lost the sale right there because I don't know his predominant buying style. Notice I've speeded up my language again. He moves really, really fast. So that tells me he's predominantly visual because when people speak as fast as I'm talking right now, that means they're predominantly visual and the mouth is, can only move at 700 words a minute, trying to keep up with the pictures in the brain at 2,000 words a minute. And I know that he wants to get his eyes on something. And if I don't put something in front of him to start visually consuming, he's going to get frustrated and I'm going to lose the sale. 
That's how powerful knowing how to get into people's heads is. Because when you can get in their head, you can basically determine or help influence the outcome of the decision. So how else do you know besides, to, besides uh, because you nailed it. I mean, everyone knows. I mean, the one of the big features of our blog is a Saturday story where we write 2,000 words of a magnificent story of somebody who, you know, beat the odds and, and did something really unbelievably delightful. So I love stories. But, but how did you know that? Just from the pace of voice? Your pace of voice, how fast you move, like the call we talked about, and I even speed it up a little bit. And actually, if I slow down right here, I'm right at your voice pace on this particular call. But the last call we had talking about this one, boom, you were like all over, boom, 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 move. You're moving really fast. And I'm like, this dude is highly visual. So if I were selling to you, I better put something in front of your eyeballs, because if not, I'm going to lose you. So what else? Give us something else. What else besides pace? How can I mirror match that? match that I be the person they need me to be so that I can help them. Well, what's interesting there, and that's basic neurolinguistics also, when we say neurolinguistics NLP, neurolinguistic programming, is that when I'm when I'm on the phone, I'm also I'm always mirroring somebody's voice uh, pace, tone, and speed. So my voice is a little higher pitched right now, trying to match yours. I'm moving a little faster. But let's say, for example, that I was coaching you one-to-one right now, and I wanted you to slow down because I wanted you to get something. What I would start doing is I would start slowing down my voice pace a little bit to kind of soothe and bring you down a little bit as I'm talking to you. And then when I'm with you in a sales process, what I do is I mirror match and pace your body language. You sit up, I sit up. You sit back, I sit back. You cross your arms, I cross my arms. What I'm attempting to do, by the way, every one of you listening right now, you probably have been to traditional sales training where it says you have to have rapport. And I'll ask selling professionals, I've, I've trained, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands over the years, I'll say, what's rapport? And they'll say things like commonality. You went to UT, I went to UT. That's not rapport, that's commonality. Rapport is when two people have subconsciously gotten into sync with each other. So I'll use mirroring, pacing, and leading in person or voice pace on the phone to get into sync with somebody subconsciously. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I've always thought that whole, we went to the same university or we enjoy the same flavor of beer. I don't know. I guess it, it's it's too I don't, ridiculous. I've always thought, I was like, who can, we'll drink a beer later. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me show you my wares. Let's close this deal and then we'll right. celebrate. Just you're wasting my time with that BS. Okay, but guys, listen now so I can show you something right now based upon what Dan just said. Uh, people are either, these are called meta programs. And Dan is what I call a big picture thinker. He doesn't want to be bothered with details. If I start showing you details and tons of them, what are you going to do? Well, first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to call Matt and say, handle this, please. <laughs> exactly. So what if I have you right in front of me? And let's say that, for example, that I'm an engineer and I've moved into sales or I'm a very, very analytical left brain type of person. And I try to sell you something and I go, here's detail number one, detail number two, detail number three. Oh, I'm what gone. Happens to you I'm gone. Say, there I'm, you go. I'm, I'm gone. I'm, you know, everyone even when you saying detail one, you lost me, you know? <laughs> everyone, listen, everyone right now, this is what I'm telling you. This is why it's so important to know how people think, because I know you're a, what we call a general thinker. So when I sell to you, I'm going to sell to you big picture, high level and give you the big picture. And then I'm going to start chunking down into the details. Meaning, are there specific, and I would even ask you, Dan, you know, we've looked at the big picture. Let me ask you this. Are there any specific details that you want? You may say no. And if you say no, guess what? I'm going to go ahead and close the sale. If you say yes, I'm going to let you bring those up, but I'm not selling you in the way that, let's say that I, if I was analytical, I'm not selling you in the way that my brain works. I'm selling you in the way that 
your brain works. Yeah, that's powerful. Does that make sense? That's absolutely powerful because uh, I'll often tell our team, tell me the big picture and then tell me very clearly the value. So when someone sends me a proposal or something, they, they, they want to give me 45 pages of something. And I'm like, look, here's, here's, the, here's the big picture. And then here's the very, very clear value you will get uh, in, 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 in either working with us or being on the other side of, uh, of, of our partnership. Everyone listening, listen to how his voice tone changed. Show me the big picture, which is exactly what you said, which already tells me right then and there that you get bored with details and especially people trying to give you details. What you want to know is what I want to know because I'm also a general thinker and I want to know two things. What's it going to cost me and how long is it going to take? After that, I'll decide what details I want. But if you start going with all the details with me, boom. I'm lost and I'm glazed over and I'm already out of the sales presentation. It seems like this is a, this is this seems like this isn't an, a uh, how do I phrase this a, a very popular reason why deals are lost, not strategy. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Beyond beyond price or features or benefits, which are things people don't buy anyway, this is why people actually people you know people they kind of got it right a little bit. They say that people buy from people they like. What they don't recognize is that if you're trying to sell to a person in a way that they do not buy, the person's not going to collect. They're not going to connect with you. You have to sell to people in the way their brains are designed to buy, it's, which it, could be big picture, little picture. It could be process, not process. There's a myriad of things that it can be. Go ahead. And what's interesting about that is that you 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 leave a conversation and what's in, you get in a car after dinner party and your wife will say to you or you'll say to your wife, oh my God, you know that I... I I didn't, did you like that guy or that what they were odd. Yep. And I'm like, I don't even, I sometimes I feel like I don't even know these people and I'm they're They're under the bus. Like I, I'm, I'm throwing them under the bus, but something didn't jive. You know, either they were, they were, put, they were trying too hard, putting on, you know, pretending like they were awesome and, you know, or just, yeah, it just is something. It just, you, you, you almost can't put your finger on it, but you feel this feeling of we're not a great connection. I don't want to deal with them anymore. Let me stop right there. Everyone listening, this is really important. He brings up a great point is that people can read your intentions unconsciously and they read it like, for example, if you're nervous in a sales presentation, your voice, your vocal cords are going to be a little tighter because your body's a little tighter because you're nervous. Your prospect's going to read that even if you think they're not. And even if you're quote unquote trying to be positive or confident or whatever, your prospect is reading that. So what we do is the unconscious mind reads about a million bits of information a second. Mm. Dan and everyone listening, until I bring it to your attention, you're not even aware of your belt around your waist or the pressure of your big toe and your right shoe. Now, when I bring it to your attention, you're aware of it. But see, your unconscious mind is processing all of that. You're aware of none of it till I bring it to your attention. But the analytical mind can only process about seven bits of information a second. So when you're walking away with your wife and you're having those thoughts, your unconscious mind has already read that entire person, their inflection, their voice tone, their their smell, their perfume, their cologne, their inflections, everything about them, and made a decision about them without you even knowing it. But is my opinion to be trusted? I mean, am I someone who, I mean, or, or yeah, that question, should, should I trust my gut instinct? Always. I always trust my gut, gut instinct because I don't know why something's happening, but I know there's some reason for it. And it doesn't mean that I won't take action, but it will always give me pause for thought. And guys, we're going to go a little deeper here. Dan and I used the word woo-woo a little bit earlier. I have worked with what's called a shaman, a yaki shaman for over 20 years now. I can feel people. I can feel their energy when people are around me. This is why I don't speak at live events anymore for the most part or big live events or walk through airports is it's very challenging for me. But we actually can feel 
many times people not even knowing that we're feeling them. How? So, How? Yeah. How? So tell me about that. I mean, that, so I obsess about this stuff. So <laughs> how, how does that come? Is that, is that, is that an awareness that is learned? Is it, is it from deprivation? How, how, how does one go about doing that? All right, guys, all right, guys. He's asking me a big question. Working with a shaman for 20 years, um, the way I've learned it is just higher awareness, higher awareness of mind. And I don't want to get too far or go too far down the rabbit hole. But when we stop thinking, you've heard the maybe you've heard the phrase before, and we're using Zencast now. But the old phrase is that the music is made in the space between the notes. You ever heard that before? Oh, yeah. Zen yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. When we stop thinking, because we're everyone listening right now, you're doing things around you, you're driving, Dan's listening, and he's doing things around him and looking at a screen maybe and writing notes. But when we just stop thinking and quiet and settle the mind, meaning learning how not to think, then more things and awareness open up to us. So I've learned over the years how to just shut my mind off to some large degree and just start saying, what am I feeling from this person I'm talking to? What's coming across from them? And that's how James Wedmore and I got hooked up. We have a very similar vibration. And then that goes into physics right there. Uh, everyone has, and they say that thoughts have a vibration. And even physicists have determined that your thoughts actually can affect your physical reality and what's called the double slit experiment. And this is real physics. This is not anything made up at you know community college down the road or woo-woo or new <laughs> age or anything. They've discovered, scientists have discovered that, that – the, uh, the observers of an experiment can affect the outcome of a physics experiment simply by observing it and thinking something about it. So for those of you that want to look it up, it's called double slit experiment. Wow. Basically, what that means is what you think, and this is ancient wisdom as well, what you think, you're, the universe and physical reality bends to your consciousness. This is real stuff. This is real science. So, 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 so if, I, if I want something, then... I have to, I have to, I, I guess I'm just thinking about that. You know, I've heard the phrase, I used a phrase before, like this is so deep, the, 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 the kind of the, the parable or the, the one-liner, thoughts become things. And I've even mm-hmm. tried to hold this in my own soul as I, as I, as I, you know, sign up for a 500 kilometer race or do something like step on, st- on stage as an introvert and I'm scared, you know, do these things that, that frighten me. Thoughts become things and empower myself in a way that, that the things I want become match thoughts earlier on. Right. So, but what you're saying is almost a lack thereof. It's, it's because I remove from my mind, these thoughts, I then have space to feel. Am I getting that right or am I Correct. missing the point? Yeah. No, no, you're, you're, you're almost there. Let me give you the phrase that I work from. And Okay, let me go back here. Do you know in, in the tsunami in the Indian Ocean, what was that big tsunami back in 2004 or five or so? You know, the one that killed hundreds of thousands. It was uh, – let's see. What was that? Anyway, was it, you, know, you know what I'm talking about. Yes, yeah, yeah. Right? Okay. Do you know that they found very few dead animals? Did you know that? I, di- I didn't know that. Really? Okay, they, yeah, they found very few dead animals because what happens is we all, and even human beings, are born with what, what's called, we have it, it's, it's hardwired from the factory, it's called sense, S-E-N-S-E, sense. You yeah. can sense things. Yes. Well, animals can sense the change in barometric pressure and the ground and movement and vibration, so all the animals knew this was coming and they ran for the hills. Hills, not heels, wow. the hills. Yeah, 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 yeah. But human, human beings, we're so caught and trapped in our minds. We are, we're like, we lack awareness to that because we, we haven't refined that sensory acuity. 
So I use my sense with people. And I've done this for, I've learned how to do it over many years is I just, when I'm with somebody, the first thing I do is I stop and I stop my mind and I say, stop thinking what you're feeling about this person. Get quiet. How do you feel about this person? So let me go back here. Something else here. I'm making some notes as we go. Is this is all physics, guys? Is for example, Dan, if somebody has a heart attack, boom, they just fall over. What do the paramedics do first thing? Um, resuscitate them. No, I don't know. Doing I've not been yeah. close to it. Uh, okay, well, you see it on TV. Yeah, they they they, they do the they do the you know mouth to mouth and then press on their chest and press on the chest until they get a they get a heart uh, they get a heartbeat uh, and make a horrible ER nurse, I guess. <laughs> they defibrillate. They shock them, right? Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Okay, so people don't really think about this, but why would you shock somebody? Why? I mean, what is that? Why would you shock somebody? I don't know. I've wondered that. Is it what is it? Is it to, is it uh, is it to kickstart your electrical limp pulses? I don't. Are we electrical? Yeah. Look, look. There, there. Okay, you nailed it. There you go. Is we are bioelectromagnetic beings. That's why you have an EKG and an EEG. But people don't really think about it in that way. So energy has a frequency. It has a vibration. It has a hertz, H-E-R-T-Z. It has a hertz. Now, when you look at it, and people don't think about this, but you're part of the physical universe. You're full of electrons, neutrons, and protons. You are part of the quantum physical universe, right? Wow. Yeah. Let's I'm take li- this one step further. Well, let's go one, one step further here. Is things are changing. So people used to say thoughts become things. And what I say actually is not so much. It's that feelings become things because we are bioelectromagnetic. Electro is brain. Magnetic is feelings. Okay. That okay, comes so, from a different part of us. But but so can go ahead. But, but but here's the frustrating thing for me because immediately when you say that I go into like put on my construction hat, get to work, like fix the feelings, fix the feelings, right? Because I want my feelings to match the things that I want. Whether it's money, better relationships, you know, uh, closing a big, big deal that's hanging on the fourth quarter, I go, oh, okay, I want these things, so I have to match my feelings to it. But I, I struggle to control my feelings. That's the biggest thing I struggle with. Okay, so who? Know, okay, everyone listening, we had no idea where this call was going to go, and so let's just follow this and let's just go there for a second because that's where it needs to go. Is this is what I tell people. See, people all day long, for example, you, I think you heard me mention the book, Think and Grow Rich. Yes. When I was, okay. Yeah. So if you could think and grow rich, wouldn't you just read the book and become rich? Of course. I've right. read okay. it a bunch of times. Uh, okay. But yet most people who read the book never become rich. That's right. That's right. You will, you will, okay. You will not be rich until you feel rich. Wow. Because see, feeling is magnetics. It's like a magnet. It attracts things back to you in the, in, in the cosmic soup, I guess we can call it, in the quantum dimension, in the quantum field. So people try to go through their lives all day long trying to think their way through when what we really want to do is talk about how we feel. Now, let's go there for a second. Most people all day long, they look at their bank account and then if they don't have enough money, how do they feel? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. They feel look bad, at the results, bad, right? Look at their results and from the results, they get their feelings based from the results or their current state, yeah. Right. And their feelings are bad feelings, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Okay. So if we go by what you've heard of, which I've never seen the, the DVD, but this is ancient wisdom. There's a book called the Kabbalion. It's nobody knows how, how old the manuscript is. They think it was written by Hermes Thresmus Gestus, mm-hmm. but the Kabbalion is the seven cosmic laws. And the first cosmic law is that everything is mental. The universe is mental and mind. Now, 
let's go back here and bring it back to people listening today. So let's say, for example, you feel bad because you don't have any money. Well, if that's what you're putting out and that's what they call the law of attraction, that's what you're bringing back. So you look at your bank account and I don't have any money and I don't have any money for rent and I feel bad. Now you're putting a bad feeling out and you're tracking that same thing right back to you. This is why poor people stay poor. And have you ever noticed, and this is appropriate for entrepreneurs, is, have you ever noticed that people who need money the most have it the least? Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. Right? Yeah, you've seen that, right? And it has nothing to do with their work or their effort or anything else or lack thereof. It has to do with that's what they bring back to themselves through electromagnetic vibration and hertz. So how does one, and maybe this is, uh, this is, this is for another day, another podcast episode. Mm-hmm. How does, if I want these things and I know that I'm attracting the things that uh, based on the energy I put off, and by the way, this is this is not woo-woo stuff. We all see this in right. our lives. Sure. We all see this in our lives. You 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 look at you looked at a guy who's selfish and an idiot. He's surrounded by friends who are selfish and idiots. I mean, this is yep. you know you, you're you're someone who takes advantage of other people, and then you're suddenly whining about oh this guy stepped all over me. Well, you're that's what you do. That's who you are. And by the way, yep. the whole Jim Rohn, you are you know, the, the, the average of your friends. I don't even know if that's right. I think it's more that you attract those sort of people. And so that's just kind of what you become, you know, these people around you. So how, hang on, hang on. So you attract them and they become part of your identity because they reflect who you are. That's why you attract them into your life. So if you're like a mean person and that's how you identify as, or a loving person, you attract people like that who verify your identity, that you're that kind of person. Okay. Next. So keep on going there with your thoughts. So I, so I, I'm, Let's say I'm concerned. I'm looking at 2018 and I say, I want this year, this upcoming year to be the best year of my life. Here's the baggage I have from 2017. Here's the things I didn't get to, but I know I have to be a different person so I can have the things that I want instead of having things to then be a person. How, how do I, how, how do I consciously make this shift? Okay, so let me go. I'm making some notes as we go here. So if you hear some typing in the background. Okay, so here's the biggest mistake that most people make. And by the way, everything that I'm sharing with you guys, um, my brother-in-law, my sister's husband is a Yaki shaman. His life story has been written. Um, it's sold, and I don't want to mention it, but it was ghostwritten and sold millions of copies around the world. It's iconic. And people like Wayne Dyer, I'm not sure if you've heard of Wayne Dyer before. You ever heard of him? Oh, of course. I've, I've got, yeah. I think I've got a... Uh, like 74 hour book on tape of everything he's written. It's literally like <laughs> yeah. seven years long worth of content. <laughs> yeah. Wayne told me one time, he mentions my brother-in-law's work constantly. And my brother-in-law is not a teacher. He's a healer um, and a, a spiritualist. But Wayne told me one time, he goes, I'll go anywhere, anytime, any place to meet your brother-in-law. Just tell me where I want to meet him. Wow. And so every, everything I'm sharing, I've learned through 22 years of apprenticeship with a shaman. And we were, he and my sister came back from Mexico 2004. So I'm going to answer your question, but I'm going to give a little story here because I think people will resonate with this. Um, And this will tie this back to how you make 2018 the best year ever. So I picked him up at the airport. They came back from Guadalajara, Mexico, which is where he's from. And he got in the car and he says, how are you today? And I said, I'm great. And he looked at me and said, yep. He goes, when things in your life go exactly like you want it to go, you're great. And when things don't go like you want it to go, you're pissed off and you're angry and you're frustrated and you're irritable. Wow. Now, 
what I was doing is what almost everyone does. We live by circumstance. Well, not uh, me anymore, but most people do, and I used to. We live by circumstance. So we look at our world, our physical world around us, and we say, I don't have the money that I, I need in my bank account. Now we feel bad, and we're angry, and we're victim, and we're judging, and we're criticizing. But look at the emotional state that takes us to. And look where that puts us emotionally. Now, because we attract, because we're bioelectromagnetic, we pull that right back into our life again, which just then perpetuates the cycle. Does that make sense so far? It, it, it's inspiring. I don't know that it makes sense to me. I'm still learning, <laughs> but I'm inspired by it. Okay. Well, let's go to the next step. So then you said, you used the word, which um, you've heard me talk about before, and I did it at James Wedmore, is about identity. Yes, yes. Is, here's the thing, guys. Let me tell you. And I'm going to slow down here a little bit. Let me tell you why most motivational speakers keep you trapped. And I'm not going to throw anybody in the mud because we're all at different places and every speaker is at a different place and we're all playing our roles. However, let's say you go to an event and let's say a speaker says, here's the five habits of really successful people. And let's say the first habit is that you have to learn to be committed. So I'm just making this up as we go. So the first habit is you have to be committed. And you think to yourself, well, okay, that makes a lot of sense. I've got to be committed. But what if you grew up like I did? And part of my old story was my dad was an alcoholic and I never watched my father finish anything. So I learned that it's not important to be committed early in life. So you could have told me years ago, and this is a real life story for me, I'm being transparent. You could have told me years ago, you need to stay committed to get a project done. But I learned that it's not important to stay committed because I learned that from watching my father. Then you can tell me all day long that I need to stay committed but I'm not able to do it because I'm not that at a subconscious identity level. So every one of you, what most of you are trying to do is you're trying to create from the outside. This is what I want to create in 2018. However, and that's what we call behavior and environment. But if you're not the kind of person to do it, then you're going to spin your wheels all year long, wondering why you haven't made any more progress in 2018 than you did 2017. Dan, let me give one more metaphor here for everybody. You didn't buy any cigarettes this morning, did you? I did not. No. You did not. How come? Um, I don't smoke. Simple answer. Yeah, I don't smoke. Exactly. You don't smoke. <laughs> I don't smoke. <laughs> you caught me okay, there so for a second. Does vaping count? <laughs> no, I don't vape either. No, <laughs> okay. So everyone listen here. He didn't buy any cigarettes today, which is a behavior, because at his identity level, he's a non-smoker. Now, if he at the identity level was a smoker, he would have bought cigarettes and done the behavior. So all of you are trying to do behaviors that might not be consistent with your identity because his identity is a non-smoker. Therefore, he cannot do the behavior. So if you're wanting to become wealthy or rich or whatever, but you're not that at the unconscious level, no matter how much you try or how much you quote unquote work until your eyes bleed or no matter how much massive action you take, that's going to wear off very quickly because you're not that at the core unconscious identity level. That's where you must work from. So how do I, so how do I work from that, please? How, 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 if I look at my identity and say, it's, it's no longer acceptable, I need to change, I need to improve, I need to enhance, I need to augment, whatever the verb is, uh, how do I go about doing that? Is that even possible? Absolutely, it's possible. Here's the thing. We all are like computers, and every one of us, from the second we pop out of the womb, we start video and audio, record, audio recording the world. Every one of you listening right now, if your parents were Jewish, you're probably Jewish. If your parents were Catholic, you're probably Catholic. If your parents were Republican, you're probably Republican. We learn to be who we are at a very early age at least before about the age of eight years old. That's why many of us are like our parents, and we don't even know how we become like our parents. We become quite literally 
programmed and indoctrinated to be the people that we are. And then we go through our entire lifetime not even knowing that we've been programmed and indoctrinated. This is why generally you see kids that grow up and they have the, they've done research on this, like public assistance. People that grow up in poverty areas generally repeat the poverty cycle. Why? Because that is what they've learned. So all of us, every one of you listening right now, you are today who you've learned to be in your formative years before about the age of eight years old. And if you're not getting what you want today, it's because you've been programmed the opposite of what you want, you want to create today. So if you grew up in poverty or we don't have enough, we don't have enough, we don't have enough, you've been programmed for that. So what you need to do is reprogram the subconscious mind. So we've got that part down. Any questions so far? No, I'm, we'll I'm hanging on it. Step. Keep going, keep going. So the next step would be, which no one ever thinks about this, no one ever thinks about first off is, let me take a step back here. Um, we work, you know, you've got a fair amount of entrepreneurs and I work with selling professionals and entrepreneurs and selling professionals will say, you know what, my sales aren't where I need them to be. I'm going to start prospecting and lead generating. Pretty familiar, familiar scenario, yep, right? That's right. Dan, yep. Build the top of the funnel. Yeah, exactly. I got I to I build my funnel. I got to get out there. I got to network. I got to lead generate. And they're all gung ho come Monday and they do it Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday, Friday. They're a little tired. Next week, they're back to their old patterns again. You've seen that before. Oh, it's right? all too common. Yes, indeed. All the time. Okay. Because people are trying to do something in terms of a behavior that's not consistent with the person that they are. So that's the identity. So if at the identity level, they're not a, let's say, a dedicated or a driven or a consistent or a committed person, no matter how much they try to go do something, they're not going to be able to do it with any sustainability because it's not consistent with who they are at the unconscious level. Guys, get this and we'll come back to the, to the question, is you can only do what you are. Mm. You can only do what you are. And let's take that and make that real again, smoking. I'm a non-smoker, therefore I do not do the behavior. If I was a smoker, I would do the behavior of smoking. I do what I am. So in business, if you're not actually really successful, it's because you're not that at the core identity level. But what if I so want it? Brought- what if I want it at, you know, what if I still want it? I say I'm not that, but I want it. Okay. Here's the thing. That's a great question. Thank you. Let's talk about left brain and right brain. And by the way, guys, we still have an open loop in the communication about how to change. We'll get there in a minute. Okay. So you're saying, so let me give you an example, Dan. You speak to a lot of audiences and I've spoken to, I don't know how many audiences as well. And you'll have somebody at the first of the year rolling around saying, let's write down your goals. And everybody will pull out pencil and paper and write down their goals. Right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. End of the year, 12 months later, what percentage of those goals do you think have been accomplished? <laughs> Very few, right? Or, 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 or someone <laughs> did it like giving themselves low-hanging fruit, you know? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Exactly. So what happens here, guys, is that two sides of the brain, left-hand side of the brain, right-hand side of the brain. Left-hand side of the brain is the analytical side of the brain. It's the part of you listening to me now saying, oh, this makes sense. The right-hand side of the brain is the seat of your unconscious mind. So let's say, for example, that you grew up poor and you grew up hearing, we don't have enough, we don't have enough, we don't have enough, we don't have enough. And that's who you've been programmed to be. No matter how much you're listening to a motivational speaker or some leader or some guru in the company say, you can make a million a year. What you do is you're like, yeah, Bob did it. If Bob did it, I can do it. And so you're analyzing and saying you can do it. But again, every one of you will always revert back to the identity you hold for yourself, no matter what you analytically think that you want. Mm. This is why people all day long will set their goals for the homes, the cars, the Mercedes, the 401, the college, whatever, 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 and never get there because they're not that person. Wow. Does that make sense so far? It's powerful, man. It's powerful. I'm trying to just soak it in. I feel like as you're talking, 
uh, I'm just in my mind almost shutting my eyes and, and watching this like a movie, you know, trying to receive it because okay. it's so powerful. This is what we wrestle with on a daily basis. We know we need these things. We, and we look at ourselves. I mean, everyone in this group uh, who listens to this podcast, you know, a million plus people uh, on Facebook, you know, they, I didn't force them to sign up. I didn't ask them to sign up. They, they said, I want more for myself. Like I, I, I've achieved some bit of awesome, but I'm not where I want to be yet. And, and how do I improve? So you're, you're, you're giving us this, this powerful stuff. Keep going, keep going. Okay. So let me give you an example here and then we'll tie it into some brain, some brain and psychology and stuff. One of my clients in Dallas, and she's very, even though she's well-known, she's a Dallas business icon. I mean, she's literally one of the most well-known people in high-level Dallas business. She owns the second largest private real estate company in Texas. And she, even though what I was saying, what I was trying to say was, is she doesn't like to drop her name. Um, she's very, very, very private. And we were talking one day, I coached her for a couple of years, and she became my mentor, even though I was her coach. And we were driving back from her Fort Worth office one day. And these are very, very simple things people have heard before, but they really haven't put two and two together. So she said, you know what? She goes, the hardest million is, the first million is the hardest to make. After that, it's easy. Which told me right then and there is that once you become the kind of person to make a million, it's easy to make a million. Mm. That makes mm. sense, right? Yep, yep, yep. But I'm, I'm going to get this wrong, but Lao Tzu said something along the lines of, or Sun Tzu said something along the lines of, I'm going to mangle this, guys. But the defeated warrior goes to battle and tries to win. The victorious warrior first wins in their mind and goes to battle. Wow. So what everybody tries to do is they try to go out in the world and they try to do things, not recognizing if I'm not that person at my identity level, which is where the work really needs to be done, then it doesn't matter what I do in the external world because it's not going to happen because I cannot sustain the behavior. Now let me show you how the mind drives you. Everyone listening, Dan included. Has there ever been a time, and this happened to me two nights ago, and I was just chuckling at it. Two nights ago, it's the week before you know, New Year's. People are kind of taking things easy, but I've got a lot to do this week. And I'm like, I want a glass of wine tonight. And I'm like, you know, I don't know. I've got a lot of work to do tonight. I've got a lot of stuff I have to write. And I had this little urge, this little nudge to have a, a, nudge to have a glass of wine. So let me, let me ask you, Dan, and everyone listening, if you had a nudge to have sweets or a glass of wine or something that you know you shouldn't do, but you've got the urge to do it. Oh yeah, all the time. Uh, so, uh, okay. uh, sometimes I just say uh, I'll run more tomorrow. It's fine. Go do it. Okay, okay, but get, perfect. Okay, but what I want everyone to notice here is my analytical brain was saying, "Dude, you've got to bang out the sixteen-page report yeah. for your new website that's going up. You've got all these videos." That's my analytical mind. But I had the pull from my subconscious mind saying, "You know what? Part of your old behavior is to take it easy in the holidays." And it's the holiday, so therefore go grab a glass of wine. And it was interesting to watch the dialogue in my brain between my subconscious mind trying to drive my behavior as opposed to my analytical mind saying, no, don't do that. And that's what we call reptilian brain versus prefrontal cortex. And we have to go there because I want to explain that as well. But do you have any questions about that so yeah. far? Yeah. Did you have your glass of wine? I did. I did <laughs> Success. have. Success. Success. I did because I've got a lot to do. And I actually, I pulled my calendar out and said, okay, how can I get everything got done I need to do this week? Now, guys, let me explain to you, every one of you, which was where we'll end our call today whenever it's over with, we've got about 20 minutes left, is about habits. So we've talked a little bit about your subconscious mind. We've talked about your identity, which your identity, everything that you do will be driven from your identity. This is why you do things you don't want to do. This is why you procrastinate, you self-sabotage, you smoke. All these kind of things all come from everything you do. Everything comes from your identity. And even though you analytically might say, I don't want to do that, you're driven by your subconscious identity. 
Now, habits. All right, so let me slow down here, is that your habits, your daily habits are going to determine what your year looks like at the end of 2018. So what you're doing on a daily basis. Now, I mentioned earlier about, let's say, for example, some big book that says here are the, here are the most, you know, the seven most effective habits or whatever are successful people. But let's say, for example, one of the first habits, which I talked about earlier, is you've got to be committed. But if you're not a person who can stay committed at the identity level, and most people can't, then no matter how much you want to demonstrate that success habit of commitment, you can't do it because you're not a committed person in your identity. Does that make sense? It does. Okay. All right. So here's the thing. Here's why, Dan, have you ever noticed, and everyone listening, have you ever noticed sometimes how hard it can be to break a bad habit? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it can be, I mean, (laughs) yeah, for a lot of people. Let me tell you why. And this is brain-based. This is not even psychological. It's brain-based. Okay, guys, three parts of the brain. The oldest part of the brain is called the reptilian part of the brain. The middle part of the brain is called the limbic system. It's called the mammalian brain. And the newest part of our brain, which has been around for, I don't know, 20,000, 30, I don't know how many years. So I should just shut up on that. But it's the newest part of the brain. It's It's in your forehead. It's called the prefrontal cortex. It's the thinking executive part of your brain, the analytical part of your brain. Here's what happens. Dan, have you ever said, I'm going to make this up. I'm not going to have any, I'm not going to have any cake. And then you get into don't have it, have it, don't have it, have it, don't have it, have it. Have you ever gotten into that habit battle? Oh before? yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's usually like, do I go running training today? Yes or no? Yes or no? Yes. Or no. You know? Okay. All right. So here's how the brain works, guys. Is we, um, habits are actually created and the brain, the older part of the brain actually stores and learns our habits. And the reason the brain learns habits is it conserve energy. Because let's say, for example, that you learned how to ride a bike. And we all did, most of us did when we were kids. Imagine how much work it would be if you had to learn to ride a bike every time you wanted to ride a bike. I mean, that'd be, that'd be huge, right? It'd consume your entire life. What if every time you got in the car, you had to relearn how to drive again? So the brain creates habits. But here's the thing, guys. Every habit that you have, whether you think it's a positive or negative habit. So let's say that, for example, you smoke. And you could be saying it, which is a habit. And let's say you smoke a pack a day and you have for 10 years. We can say that's a habit. However, the analytical part of the brain says you can't smoke anymore because, you, you know, you're going to be a grandfather and you don't want smoke around your grandson. So now we've got one part of the brain analyzing and saying no longer do the habit. We've got the other part of the brain saying, but it's a habit and it happens automatically. Now, what happens is the analytical part comes from the prefrontal cortex, whereas the habit comes from the reptilian part of the brain. Now you have two parts of the brain arguing, smoke, don't smoke, smoke, don't smoke. Are you with me so far, Dan? Okay, here's what happens. Is emotions and urges will always win over thinking. Mm. Now what I mean by that is let's say you have the urge to smoke. That becomes physiological in the body. But you have the analytical thought that I should not smoke. What will happen is then we, the parts of the brain, prefrontal cortex, and the reptilian brain argue back and forth. And then what happens is the person analytically gives in and smokes. Why? Because the thinking part of the brain is not as strong as the emotional urge part of the brain, which is the oldest part of the brain. This is why it is so damn hard for people to break their bad habits is because they fight the habit. And the more you fight the habit, the harder it's going to be. So- and then on top of that, so do ahead. I then need to ratchet up the emotion around the change that would happen uh, if I could if I could actually convince myself to not do the bad habit? Is that is that the an- an- antidote? 
Actually, no. And I'm going to, we, we can tell people where they can find more information on the longer training on this um, at the end of our call today, end of our time. But here's what happens is most people fight the habit. As I just said, mm-hmm. smoke, don't smoke, smoke, don't smoke. Then what happens is the habit becomes stronger. Why? Because the, the argument and the dialogue gets louder. Right. And then what we do is we actually, oh, the hell with it. I'm just going to go ahead and smoke because I want to stop this dialogue. So I'm going to, I'm going to just go ahead and smoke. Then what happens? <sighs> people say they smoke the cigarette and they say, I smoke because it reduces stress. No, what's just happened is you've started smoking. And when you made that decision, that in itself releases the tension of arguing not to smoke. So the worst thing that you can do is to fight a habit, which is what everybody does. Then people try to use what's called willpower. I'm going to yeah. will my power. I'm going to will. Yeah, that's right? where I struggle. That, that's, that's you and I talked about that. Yeah, that's where I struggle. Yeah. Now, have you ever noticed that when you use willpower, it becomes really emotionally and physically and mentally hard to stop doing very something? Very draining. Yes, absolutely. It's a very draining. And quite literally, guys, he said the word draining. That is true. Because the more willpower you try to use, we only have a fixed amount of willpower. And the more willpower you try to use, the more the brain has to work. And the more the brain has to work like a cell phone on your battery, the more that the battery comes down and you have less power, less charge in your battery. So, what happens is most people fight themselves, and then what they do is, is they get tired of the fight, and they give in to the old habit. Here's what you have to do, and for those of you that are predominantly visual on this call, which 60% of you are, I'm going to uh, send you to a video you guys can watch where we go into more detail. I'm going to tell you guys, and Dan's never heard this story. Uh, maybe he did with James Wedmore on that podcast, but I used to drink Diet Coke every day, and I did for a lot of years. And my analytical brain's like, you got to stop that crap. It's bad for you. But every day about one o'clock, I would rationalize and say, you know what? You need a Diet Coke because you've been traveling, you've been speaking. You don't drink coffee was my argument. Mm. You don't drink coffee. Therefore, you get caffeine and a Diet Coke, grab a Diet Coke. So that makes sense so yeah, far, right? Yeah. Okay. Now, I don't know what they put in that crap, but Diet Coke is addictive. <laughs> I can just tell you it right is. now. I don't know what kind it of is. stuff. I, yeah. I don't know what they put in there. But the more I tried to quit uh, drinking Diet Coke, before I figured all this out, the more I tried to quit drinking Diet Coke, the more that I could not. And it just became like, don't drink, don't stop, don't get one, don't drink, don't drink, don't drink, 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 drink. Now, here's what I learned is that when you ignore the reptilian part of the brain, when you actually, actually, let me repeat, let me, let me rephrase that, when you dismiss the reptilian part of the brain, not ignore, and I said uh, ignore by accident, when you dismiss the reptilian part of the brain, the part of the brain that wants that habit mm-hmm. to happen, and you dismiss it, and you metaphorically turn your back on it and plug your ears, the reptilian brain operates like a, a screaming child. <laughs> and when you turn your back and plug your ears, yeah. it stops. It stops. Wow. And I, I quit a 20-year-old Diet Coke habit that I had every single day, literally in one day with no cravings whatsoever. And people are going to say, well, that can work for you, but I smoke or this or that. What I want you guys to get is 95%. We talked about that at the beginning of the call. 95% of everything that you do is a habit. And then what people do is they personalize their habit. So Dan, what happens to people when they say things like, I can't, I, I just, I can't stop drinking Diet Coke. Then what do they infer about themselves? Uh, that I'm, uh, I'm a loser. I'm, I can't, I'm not, you know, I'm not someone who has good willpower, right? I, I, I'm not meant for greatness. Whatever. The- exactly. Exactly. They'll infer that what they do is they personalize the habit and they'll say, you know what? Oh, I can't, I'm such, I have no willpower. I'm mm-hmm. weak. Notice what they've done now. I'm going to be very, I'm going to slow down here, guys. Habits are simply habits. Your brain does not distinguish between, the reptilian part of the brain does not distinguish between what we call good habits and bad habits. 
It's simply those habits, whether you're doing cocaine or you're smoking cigarettes or you're eating sugar or you're working out every day or whatever it is, the reptilian part of the brain simply learns habits. Now, I'm going to come back to the story I just started. Let me go somewhere else first. Every habit that you have, your brain, the reptilian part of the brain, believes you need that habit because it's, it believes that, that habit is a survival mm-hmm. mechanism. It's needed for survival. So even though you smoke every day and it's a habit, the analytical part of the brain can say, you know what, that's a bad habit. Don't do it. It's going to kill you. But the reptilian part of the brain says, nope, that is a habit. And because it's my job as this part of the brain to keep habits alive, I'm going to keep you smoking because you need that smoking habit for survival. Wow. Does that make That's incredible. Yeah, this is... Okay, so here's what happens. So the more you try to break the bad habit of smoking, the brain, the reptilian brain says, uh-uh-uh, you're not going to break that habit of smoking because you need that habit because it's a survival mechanism and I'm going to make you smoke. And then it gives you urges to make you smoke and to remind you to smoke. And then if you actually, you, then if you fight the urge, the urge becomes stronger and now you give in and you go smoke. So let's go back to what I was saying and you ask yeah. how to break it. Okay, so what most people try to do, and this is going to, controversy is good in marketing, guys. We've got 10 minutes left, so let's bring it home with this. Controversy and contrarian positions are always good in marketing, and this is going to make a lot of people mad, but that's, I'm okay with that. Dan, do you know the, and I mentioned this maybe out at James Wedmore's, but do you know the success rate with Alcoholics Anonymous? No, I don't, no. I don't even want to guess, but I, I, it's scary. I don't know. Is it super low? It's oh. not big, okay. So, and I, I've read, I've read different, I did, I've read different research from the National Institute of Health, the Mayo Clinic. Here's what's what happens: those that get sober, and this is, I mean, our beliefs are crazy as human beings. Those that get sober will actually fight what I'm about to say, and then everyone else that has not gotten sober will say, "Okay, it makes a lot of sense to me." Here's what happens: there's a high failure rate at Alcoholics Anonymous, and the reason why is this: the program was designed years ago without understanding how the brain works. It was designed back in the 40s. I believe. So what they do, metaphorically speaking, is they say, okay, we're going to put alcoholism in your left hand, and we're going to put sobriety in your right hand. Now, like a scale, like a scale of justice, for your entire life, you have to look at your left hand and see alcoholism, and in your right hand, you have to see sobriety. And you're going to manage these two mm-hmm. for the rest of your life, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That, that's what yep, they yep, do, yep. right? Okay. Now, let's go back to a five-year-old kid, and you put them in front of a piece of cake. And you say, you know what? You can look at that cake all day long, but you can't have it. What does that five-year-old kid want? Oh, cake. Lots of cake. Extra cake. cake. (laughs) Exactly. So the way Alcoholics Anonymous does this, and they set people up for failure, and again, we're going to get some some mail on this, and that's fine because I'm just telling you science, is that Alcoholics Anonymous sets people up and puts them in the middle of a battle, have, don't have, have, don't have, don't have for a lifetime. And that's the reason so many people fail is because now, because they're thinking about the emotions and the urge of drinking, now what they do is they get in the habit battle of talking to themselves about it. Do not drink, do not drink, do not drink, which by the way, the unconscious mind cannot think of negatives. If I said, don't think of a pink elephant, first thing you think Mm, of is a pink elephant. Yeah, that's exactly right. right. Yeah. So they say, don't drink, don't drink, don't drink, don't drink. All the unconscious mind hears is drink, 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 drink. Now you've got one side of the brain saying, don't drink, one side of the brain saying, drink, and it's a habit battle, and then people actually give in to the habit battle because they lose to the urges and the emotions of the reptilian part of the brain. Now, how to solve all this? Okay, so what people try to do in a situation like that is they try to ignore the urge. 
So if you're any, all of you listening and Dan, have you ever tried to ignore the urge to, oh, to have absolutely. something or do yeah, something? Absolutely. Like, okay. What happens the more you it try to ignore the urge? It just becomes bigger and more powerful. It's a monster, right? It's, a, it's like, yeah, have the cigarette or have the cake or whatever. Here's, here's what you have to do. Everyone tries to ignore and then fights it. That is the surest way to lose to any bad habit. What you want to do, and this takes a little practice, but it's really pretty simple. What you want to do is you want to dismiss, dismiss. the habit. Right. Now, what that means is for me, Diet Coke was my habit. Ignoring it would have been have a Diet Coke. No, don't have it. It's bad habit. Don't have it. And I went through that cycle for a lot of years. Dismissing is quite literally, if you metaphorically just turned around, crossed your arms, and put your back to the habit and said something like, Diet Coke for me is a thing of the past. And then literally moving your thinking somewhere else, like moving your attention somewhere else. Now, what happens is this sounds very simple, but when you dismiss the habit and you do it a couple of times in succession, the reptilian brain says, you know what? I'm screaming like a kid. I want him to have the Diet Coke. And every time I do, he dismisses me and won't even listen to me anymore. Oh, well, I guess I'll give up and no longer. Wow. Diet Coke. Are you serious? Come on. Are you serious? I'm serious. I'm serious. And everyone else is saying that same thing oh. on this call. Everyone else is saying, no, Jim, there's no way that can happen like that. Well, that's the way that it happens. Once you dismiss, for example, some of you, some of you um, might have been smokers on listening now, but you haven't smoked in 10 years. Why? Because if I ask you right now, are you a smoker? You'd say no, but you've dismissed the habit. It's not something for you anymore. You don't get into, oh, maybe I should today. Maybe I shouldn't. You dismiss it. When you dismiss the urges and you turn your back, and you heard me mention yeah. the BBD. When you turn your back and you, and this is what I learned from my brother-in-law, the shaman, one of the many things, is when you move your attention. Because see, notice when you're fighting the habit, where's your attention? It, that, that, that's what's powerful. No, no, On no. I'm, I'm here. I'm hanging. I'm, I just, dude, it's, it's, my mind is painting this picture of uh, well, all the things I'm going to dismiss. And dismiss. And that means moving your attention yeah. somewhere else. And here's, and here's brain base. It's called dual task interference. You cannot think about two things simultaneously. That's why, for example, somebody might be in a car and they might be saying, you know what? I want a cigarette. Now they almost have a near miss accident and they completely move their attention away from the cigarette. They no longer even want the cigarette because they move their attention mm, to survival. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it does. It does. So far? And is that a feeling connecting back to so, what you said, like the very beginning? Is that a feeling? Which yeah, that that, that sense of survival, like versus, um, or is this whole idea of, of dismissing, is that, is that a physical thing? Is that a physiological thing? Is that a feeling? Is that a thought? What is that dismissal? We start that, we start that with a thought. We start, this is what I know. Anytime that, okay, this, let, me, let me just say it this way. My brother-in-law has taught me this for years, and it's taken me a lot of years to really get this, is that I think six words, you are where your yeah. attention is. Yeah. So notice, notice, you are where your attention is. So notice, if you're fighting yourself for a donut, where's your attention? If you're angry, where is your atten yeah. attention? If you're broke, most people that are broke, where's their attention? On Dan? being broke. <laughs> on being broke, exactly. As opposed to their attention being on being very successful. Because then what they do is they work by the environment instead of by working by the internal state, which is our, I mean, we can manage our internal states. So guys, your takeaway here, and there's a video that I can send you guys to that will break it down even more for you in just a bit, is that if you fight the habit, you're going to lose every single time. Your reptilian brain is much more powerful than your thinking brain, and you will lose. 
you must dismiss the habit. And there's even, which I'll teach you over on the video, there's even specific language, a couple of sentences that I speak to myself when I'm dismissing a habit. Just a sequence of a couple of sentences, which are on that video, which will show you what I walk through to dismiss a habit, to turn my back on it, metaphorically speaking, and to move my attention. That's incredible. That's incredible. So, so you know, we, we, we've, we've hit a lot of things. You've made a lot of people perhaps um, uncomfortable, uh, but I love it. You, you've, you've taken on AA. No, you, you've helped me. I feel like I'm drinking from a fire hose because I, I feel each of these phrases, uh, when, I, when uh, I, I need to pause and like think, think through, because they, you know, they do create this picture of, of mm-hmm. a way to, to know who you are and what you want and then how to go get it, right? It's, it's not your conventional just work harder sort of, uh, you know, mindset. That's backwards yeah. and bad advice for a lot of people. Because let's say, for example, that I have, um, and these are things I teach in a coaching program, that I'm really weak on self-integrity, meaning let's say, for example, I can't follow through on things. And these are all things not to feel bad about things we've learned as children by, by watching our parents and society. So I can tell you, you've got to work all day long. And there's a speaker that says, you've got to work till your <laughs> eyeballs bleed. Well, guess what? <laughs> you know, guess what? If it's not in my identity to yeah. be self-committed or committed or self-integral, then guess what? I'm not going to get the results. Why? Because I can't even stay committed yeah. to working till my eyeballs bleed, which is actually not the way to create in the world. But yeah, it all comes from the, I, I look at it this way. I was standing on my back porch and you've heard it many different ways, but I'm going to give you the way that I just say it to myself is if I don't have it in my external world, meaning if I don't have it in my bank account or whatever, if I don't have it in my external world, it's because I am not that in my internal world. Plain and simple. I'm not that. Wow. And that's identity. What is my identity? What would be the identity of a person, for example, that made $100 million a year? I have clients that make that versus the identity of a person who makes 70000 a year. And every one of you listening right now, stop trying to do things, which is what everybody tries to do. They try to go out and do things in the world. And I work from a model called be, do, have as opposed to have, do, be. Let me wrap it up on this. As most people say, well, if I had more resources, if I have more and had more, then I could actually do more. And if I did more, mm-hmm. then I could be more, mm-hmm. I could be successful. That's the model that everybody works from, and it's a broken model. The model that you have to work from is yeah. be to have. Who do I have to be to do the things that I need to do to have the things that I want? And then be is a matter of characteristic. Being is I am being committed. I am being driven. I am being disciplined. I am being responsible. I am being a visionary. I'm being self-integral. All characteristics and ways of being. That's where everything starts. Not yeah, one thing, behavior. maybe you can touch on this because I'm gonna we'll, we'll leave people with uh, if they're overwhelmed. Listen, there's easy answers. Uh, you know, all of this is available and 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 copious amounts of details and explanation, uh, and we're gonna share that with you. One thing I thought that was fascinating you shared uh, when we were in California together was mm-hmm. this idea, uh, and I can feel it in my bones right now. It's like actual experience. It's like I want almost you to stop talking so I can think. Right. It's, and you mentioned mm-hmm. something in California. Yeah. I don't know if you can go into a little detail here is like to change the world, the world has to stop. And, and I don't oh. know, this is my own challenge is that, and I'm going to, I'm going to, this is something I'm going to work on. It maybe work on just means think it through in 2018 is I am so busy. I am so busy hustling, uh, putting out content, you know, consulting, traveling, you know, family, just all the different things that I don't allow enough time 
to just let the world stop. And I get this clear sense from you, Jim, that maybe it's working with your shaman. You, you just stop or have stopped and just let okay. that come to you. Yeah. Let me, let me give everybody the, the quote that I told you. My brother-in-law, uh, we're sitting down talking. And by the way, I do a lot, a lot more work than just him talking to me. And we've been inside the Great Pyramids for nights at a time and different things around the, the world. But a while back, he said to me, he said, to change the world, I have to change myself. To change myself, I have to stop the world. When I stop my world, I can change myself. And when I can change myself, I can change wow. the world. Yeah. It's... So it all comes from what you're talking about, stopping yourself and slowing down and seeing where things need to be done, letting inner wisdom come in, because now you're actually stopping the external world of noise around you. And we live in a world of just noise. We live in such a noisy world, people don't even recognize because they become anesthetized to it. But when you stop that world and you go inside, now you start looking for clarity and using your sense and you can change yourself. And when you change yourself, you show up in the world as a different person, and now you can change it's the powerful. world. It's powerful. It's a, a small baby step I did, um, and I don't think I ever shared this with you in a couple phone calls we've had since California. I, I went to my phone, mm -hmm. and I turned off all my notifications, so I leave it permanently in, oh. um, I guess, what do not disturb mode. And now, it annoys right. my wife sometimes, who I love dearly, but she'll call me five or six times and be like... Where were you? You know. <laughs> but besides that, I've I've just a small baby step. Um, that based on what you said, I thought I've got to stop letting the world, all the noise and the the tweets and the and the and the and the, the Snapchats and the people mentioning us. You know, I was so consumed about I have to get back to people. I have to make and and, st and stopping and saying I can't be the best version of myself, which impacts other people until I until I can tune out some of these sounds and some of these distractions. Yeah, and we live in a world, uh, we could talk forever, we'll kind of wrap up here, but this morning somebody on my site um, asked to discontinue their membership, which is fine. I mean, all good things come to an end. And she was upset because I didn't respond back to her and I didn't even know she was emailing me. And I don't, matter of fact, I never got the emails. I even checked my spam folder. But here's the thing. When people become a member, I tell them very clearly in the welcome video, when you're ready to cancel your membership, here's what I want you to do. D do exactly this. And 20% of people can't follow those simple instructions. My point is, is that people are so overwhelmed of so much information in the world that people can't mm. think from minute to minute. And that mm. happens to a lot of people. So most of us give, we, we actually get up in the morning and people check their cell phones, which I do not do. And they let the world grab them by the collar and just take them away for the day. And they get home into the, the day, the world drops them off at their home and they get up, they go to bed, get up the next day and start over again. I don't do any of that, but that's so a whole let's talk call. about uh, an exciting thing that we're going to share with our audience here about, uh, you know, this, this conversation can go on and on and, and you and I have to go, <laughs> have to right. eventually put an end to a bow uh, yeah. on this, but you and I, uh, I'm excited to talk about a, a partnership that we're going to be doing together. Uh, as all of you guys know, in the, in the audience, I, I, there are like three people in, in, in my life that I kind of come to you and say like, this is the best thing. And last year I was on a kick and this year I have to tell you what Jim is, 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 is has made available to us. Is something that I am 
elbow deep into and learning. And I want to share this experience with all of you. And Jim has been gracious enough to, uh, to, to allow me to partner with him and bring you guys some special content. It's not available anywhere else. It's just for you guys, just for this community. Million people strong here on, on Facebook and, and countries all around the world. If, 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 you ha- if you got the feeling right now and I feel like I'm pitching, but I just am excited about this. I don't want to be pitchy, but you and you, you know, my audience knows, Jim, I, I literally, I will recommend four books maybe a year. And then people are like, you're so, oh you yeah. They're, they're like, you're, they're like you, you don't recommend uh, uh, anybody, which is funny because every day I get three or four or five books sent to me by publishers saying, please share these with your community. And I don't just because I'm not, they, they don't grip my yeah. soul. You know, there's moments where you have to do like a triple take because yeah. you're like, what did you just say? What what did I just feel? Yeah. So, Jim, this is um, you know th- this we're going to be working with you this year. Maybe share a little bit about all the things that I've been digging into in your site that we're going to make available to our, to this community. Yeah, but just very simply here, guys. You can go to a link. You'll see the description below or the link in the description below, and it's called Sales. And this will be like I said, you can see it below. SalesPsychologyAcademy.com slash Dan D A N. Now, that'll be below, but what I want to point out is we're all marketers. We're all in business, okay? I mean, we all need to make money. We've all got bills to pay. You'll be taken to a squeeze page. You'll enter your email address, but you'll, there'll be about, about a 20-minute video there that will walk you through more detail about how to actually change your habits at a subconscious level. Guys, I'm going to tell you this. Until you change your habits at a subconscious level, mm-hmm. nothing will change in your life. As a matter of fact, I guarantee you that you will not have more than a 10% increase in your income in 2018 until you change your subconscious habits. Then, if you're serious about growing you know, your skills, your persuasion, your influence, and your performance, inside the site, you can join, and it's a monthly membership site. I've got programs on how to – a much longer program on habits. It's about four hours long and about how to reprogram your subconscious mind and about how to change your subconscious identity plus hundreds of other hundreds of other videos on sales persuasion influence sales and marketing so there we go salespsychologyacademy.com for the last uh, two or three weeks Um, and i have to tell you i have a tickler on my schedule uh, to go in every few days just to consume more content, a new thing. And I have to tell you, it's everything from peak performance to building trust and rapport, influence. Uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's everything. It's, Language. And it's packaged in a way that I could, I, could, I could begin to take, just implement a few small things each day. And so uh, I, I love it. I, I wish this was around when Perfect. I was 19. Yep. Uh, at 39, 20 years later, hey, <laughs> it's here. It's here. Yep, guys, you'll find nothing like this site anywhere, and I'll stop pitching. Also, you know what? Go if you, you know, this is this is my final comment, Dan. Is that people think they can just magically something's going to happen different this year, and they're going to make a lot of money? That's not true, guys. Who you show up in the world as at your identity level, which we talk about on my site, and there's a program. That's what you're going to create, whether you like that or not. And unless you become somebody different at a core level, do not expect different results in life because you mm. will not get them. By the way, you've you've heard me talk about Caldini uh, on, uh, before on this podcast, and and I'll um, and and I'll tell you one of the one of the tracks that you need to jump into in this community is called your un- unconscious triggers of behavior, and I'll tell you. There are things that we do, and, and I'm working on this. I'm working on this as, as a husband, as a father, as a business leader, as the things that I can that I, things that I can just be aware of. What am I doing to influence people around me? Maybe subconsciously, maybe their gut reaction is this guy's a jerk. This guy's too busy for me because he's always on his phone. He won't look me in the eye. He won't spend time with me. 
he's too busy. He's not really uh, pleased with me as a father. I mean, when I realize the impact that I can have when I am aware and improve, um, it's meaningful for me. So, so Jim, I'm thankful for you making this available. I'm thankful for the last hour, that 20 minute video for all of you. I will share this with you again, no strings attached. Go watch the video. Uh, you know, put some earbuds in, do it when you've got a moment to think, uh, quietly and and take notes because it's that powerful for you. And like Jim said, if you don't change things this year, uh, don't expect to get any, any different results. And that's, it's got to start between your head, between your ears. Yep. Any last yep, nuggets of awesomeness, right. Jim? I feel like there's one more. I wrote like 20 pages of notes from your discussion in, in California. Uh, what, what's one last nugget you can leave with us? I'm thinking there for a second. I know we went, we covered a whole lot in the last, uh, you know, I, I want to, I guess, be a little repetitive is that you're driven subconsciously and this is research demonstrated. And what we do is we get into our analytical mind saying, oh, I'm going to set my goals and I'm going to, I'm going to get the Mercedes this year, but it never, and guys, I've been there. It never happens until you change your subconscious identity. Everything else is just busy work and you will never, ever go to the next level in life. And I'm not meaning to be a doomsday sayer and all that kind of stuff, but mm-hmm. we work from the inside out. And if you don't have it on the outside, it's because you are not that we need to share this. We need to share this now, Period. Jim. We need to share this again in early February because there's a lot of people who I'm guessing came off a bad month and said, why did I fail? What happened? Where did I go wrong? So, And they'll see this. They'll see this now. People, we look back in hindsight and we're like, whoa, okay, maybe he was right about that. But the thing is, it's just, that's just the reality of it. Until you are that first in your identity, don't expect anything differently Thanks, Jim. to change. So. Thank you, Dan. I really, really appreciate it. And every one of you have an amazing 2018. Thank you for listening all the way through. Take care, guys. Bye-bye. And we'll, we'll let it. We, we'll, thank you. Thank you, by the way, Jim. I think I undersold it, didn't I? <laughs> this is Dan. I'm back. What an amazing interview with Jim Fortin. Uh, what an amazing experience. What a solid guy. I'm really grateful that he could spend some time with us and with you. And here's my nudge to you. Go check out Sales Psychology Academy slash Dan, right? Land on that page and and see what's up. See what's up. If it's something that interests you, if you're in sales or business and the the small membership fee each month with new ideas and new lessons from Jim himself would be helpful, then join that. Here's something I may not have told you earlier. I'm working, I'm trying to grab some time to actually be coached by Jim. And this is a guy that regularly charges $10,000 a month or more for his coaching, right? A solid guy, high quality, you know, on the caliber of, of something you'll get with Tony Robert, uh, T- Tony Robbins and guys like that, right? Elite, elite, elite sort of strategist coaches. Um, all booked up. I can't even get on his, I can't even get on his, uh, on his schedule, right? He's, he's that booked up. So when I see something like this where he's taking his best material and chunking it up into bite-sized pieces that I can get whenever I want, I'm there. So I just want to let you know, I don't recommend things that I don't do myself. I'm there. I'm a member. I'm in it. And I think it would be great if you joined. I don't see how you can lose with that equation. If it's not something that works out, you can always just walk away from it later. It's not that uh, big of a commitment. So if you're interested in growth, if you're looking at one new way that you could kind of deliver value to your customers, to yourself, to kind of be a better version of yourself, check out Sales Psychology Academy slash Dan. And I'll see you there because I'm there. I'm watching a video right now. I mean, not as I record this, but I will be soon. 